0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keaton. I'm joined today by Harry Brent uh, as we look back on what was another busy weekend of FA Cup action. And of course, give our thoughts ahead of Deadline Day, which is tomorrow on Tuesday. Plenty of deals still to be done, and, and we'll be coming on to those uh, towards the second half of the show. But first things first, Harry, uh, FA Cup weekend. Not as many shocks as perhaps there were in the third round, but still some some decent details for us to get into this morning. And I suppose we'll start with, uh, with Man United. Uh, it, it seems to be kind of falling into place for them a bit in the cup competitions this season They're uh, looking well placed in the Carabao Cup after victory last week at Nottingham Forest looking well placed to, to reach that final um, and with other rivals potentially falling by the wayside looks like they might have a decent run in the FA Cup too
1: yeah it's really opening up for them at the moment isn't it I mean who you know who'd have thought we'd be saying this about Man United's season at the start given how, given how they started the campaign and everything uh, but, I, I, you know, I think their resurgence in the last few weeks really speaks to Ten Hag's ability, not just as a tactician, but as a coach, generally speaking, you know, there, there seems to be a really good feeling around around the club at the moment. You know, the players seem to be really sort of in tune and knowing their, knowing their roles on the field and stuff. And, um, you know, when you look at some of the signings, all, in fact, all of the signings, barring possibly Anthony, They've all, you know, all the Tenthal signings have hit the ground running. Casemiro has been a revelation. Desandro Martinez has been better than most people, have, you know, initially thought he was going to be. Christian Eriksen has been a great addition. And Valdez, of course, looks like a, a really shrewd signing. So I think, you know, there are some really, really promising promising, and encouraging signs coming out of Man United at the moment, and which again is you know, been a long time since we've said that. and. You know, if, if they can land one, possibly even two trophies, you know, that would be a heck of a way to start your your debut season. And as you say, best teams are kind of getting getting knocked out at the moment. You'd expect they'll probably be Newcastle in the uh, in the in the AFL Cup final, which won't be an easy game. But um yeah, really good chance for them to for get a trophy and what a, what a start that would be for Ten Hag.
0: For sure, it could definitely be the... Uh, we've seen it so many teams and so many times down the years, uh, that it's kind of the springboard for success, that first trophy. It doesn't matter what it is, just getting that first one and you can kind of then kick on to, to great success. Um, just on Man United's signings there, you said about Casemiro, mentioned how, how crucial he's been. And I suppose the, the funny thing is, here is that everyone kind of viewed him as, as kind of being that kind of linchpin in midfield. He's kind of maybe more his defensive work would have been uh, what Man United were kind of after. But obviously scored twice against Reading. He's been getting among the goals a fair amount since his arrival as well. Um, there were a few people that kind of questioned the move, said he may have be been too old uh, to to come to English football at the time and kind of whether or
1: not he'd fit in. But, crikey, he's, he's definitely proved those doubters wrong so far. Completely. I mean, I, 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 in some ways, I sort of feel maybe because of the fact that he was in a, midf- a midfield in, at Real Madrid alongside Modric and Cruz, people didn't give him the credit he deserves. I think we're now sort of, now that we're seeing him week on week, or, you know, most of us are now seeing him week on week, uh, you know you're really sort of getting an appreciation for how uh, for how good he is and, and again I, you know I, I I think it sort of speaks to speaks to Ten Hag you know he's he's obviously very happy for him to play a bit more with the ball and and you know get in more advanced roles and you know when you've got a player like you know who is as good generally speaking as Casemiro that's just you know that's just a no brainer so yeah I really I you know I think I think it, he's he's been a revelation and and credit credit to him credit to Ten Hag <laughs>
0: Moving to the blue side of Manchester now as well. Manchester City doing uh, possibly United a favour and obviously knocking out Arsenal, uh, Premier League leaders, Arsenal out of the FA Cup. But it looks like Man City and Arsenal will be the two that uh, will be duelling it out for the title over the remainder of the rest of the season. First meeting between the two this season as well. Obviously a little bit late because of, of what happened back in September with the Queen dying, unfortunately. Um, that was that league fixture. Um And it looks like there's going to be a bit of a hectic kind of fixture jam almost now between them. That was the first... uh, Friday's FA Cup match was the first between them. They'll play each other again a couple of times uh, before the end of February. Was that a psychological blow Manchester City were able to land on on Arsenal on Friday night in that pursuit, you know, with the two of them going
1: for this title? I think it was. I I mean, I think that... um... Uh, obviously the the Arteta and Guardiola both made some changes in that game, but they both fielded pretty strong teams generally. And I I think that sort of speaks to how, how important they saw winning that game. And, uh, you know, as you say, given that they've, they're playing, they're playing each other twice in pretty quick succession. And the fact that that could obviously give a you know, six point swing in the title race, which would bring Man City right back into it. I think that's going to be really important. I mean, we've seen over the years, how sort of relentlessly consistent, Man United, you know, Man City have been at winning under pressure, you know, with the title title races with Liverpool and everything. So Arsenal need to be absolutely on it and and make sure they do not drop any points that they don't absolutely need to. So, you know, I I, I do think that they will now be a little bit sort of concerned going into those going into those two games. There will be a, a big question mark of of right, you know, and it will put especially the first the first time they play each other. It will be a big sort of you know there will be some difficulties, but. um yeah, I you know, and 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 yeah, I expect I expect there'll still be some some heck, you know still be a heck of a heck of an encounter regardless. But a, yeah, big big psychological blow I think for Land City there. Do you think Arsenal,
0: where they made so many changes, were, were you a little bit surprised by that? You know, where you look at it and they didn't have a game midweek, they didn't have a game this midweek coming up as well. Likewise with City, City went quite strong. Arsenal made. You know a host of changes. And the funny thing is is that yes, I realised there's a great irony in saying this, like kind of are a bit surprised. And then Arsenal actually did play quite well up until Nathan Akey's goal. Arsenal probably had the better of the chances, the better of the match. But you kind of wonder as you said there, especially with these two games coming up freaking fast in the league as well, that this opportunity to kind of lay down a marker, you kind of wonder whether or not Arsenal perhaps missed the trick here as well. In that in these teams as well, when you you know you said there about Man City being relentless and going on these relentless winning runs. Arsenal being in good form, you kind of wonder whether or not changing so many,
1: losing a bit of momentum, might end up coming back to bite them. It might do. And, and yeah, as I said, they, they may end up, Arteta may end up regretting it a little bit. But I guess the, you know, one thing to say is that obviously the main focus for them is is got to be the Premier League and, um, you know, the, the sort of main weakness they have. Against Man City is the fact that they don't have the depth that Man City do. Uh, so perhaps it was a kind of it was just something Arteta felt he he absolutely had to do was was rest a few of his a few of his big names, you know, in order to sort of avoid avoid burnout later in the season. So you can't I don't think you can blame him for 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 deciding to rest a few a few names. But as you say, I think momentum does play a huge part in 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 this sort of thing. And you know, as we say, with a double header coming, so it could buy them. Buy them, come back to buy them but come back to bite them but as I say it's hard to in the moment to blame him for 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 doing that
0: Liverpool uh, another side that like Arsenal have, have now exited the FA Cup will come on to what it means for them um, in a second and, and where that leaves their season really kind of probably in a bit of a mess but I just wanted before we come on to Liverpool more so I just wanted to talk about Gary Mitoma a little bit because uh, Brighton of course beat Liverpool in the fourth round to, to, to knock Liverpool out but the composure that Matoma showed, what is was it? Stoppage time and to not whack it the first time. And if you've not seen the goal, please go and have a look now because it is phenomenal just to see the composure in that moment that he shows there, but he's showing why everyone's kind of talking about him as being a, a great player and, and, a, and a great ability that he's got a great potential too. And just to show, as I said there, that, that composure, that calmness so late on in the game when so much is riding on it as well, which was just phenomenal to see.
1: It was, especially against such you know quality defenders that Liverpool have, and, and everything. And yeah, it just it looked like he was playing on the you know knocking it about on the playground, didn't it? Um, and yeah, I, you know it's it's just another another potential gem that that Brighton have unearthed in it. You know that it's sort of if you want to know how to run a football club, that is that is how you do it, isn't it? They, they you know another player that they chances are in a couple of years they'll sell him on for ten times the price that they they bought him for. So uh, uh, yeah, it's it's it really really does. Uh, does look does look good for, for Brighton at the moment. And just in terms of Liverpool,
0: um, it looks like their only tr- chance of silverware this season now is going to be the Champions League. Of course, they've got a very tough tie coming up against Real Madrid. The holders looking perhaps for a bit of revenge in that one. But they're out of both domestic cut competitions, tough tie in the Champions League coming up. They're looking well off the pace in the race for the top four. How do Liverpool salvage something from this season now? There's, there's, there's very little for them to, to perhaps cling on to apart from hoping that their league form picks up between now and May?
1: Yes, it's it's a difficult one, really. You know, I think it's, it's easy to overanalyze what's going wrong at Liverpool at the moment. You know, I think given, as you said, the sort of the mire that they're in domestically, you know, there will be a, there will be a sense of of well, let's just get to the end of the season, and we'll and we'll reassess everything in the summer and bring in a couple of couple of names. But as you say, you know, if they play, you know, they're playing Real Madrid. They're, they're not favourites to win it uh, in the Champions League. But if you know, should they progress, and they've got a you know good enough team and a good enough manager to do so, that could be the kind of resurgence that they that that could sort of spark spark a resurgence. I mean, we saw, uh, I think it was in the. Um, to 2020, 2021 season where they they fell away and then came back towards the, towards the end of the season when it didn't look like they were going to make top four something like a big win in the Champions League could, could spark that and you know Liverpool have always got it in them to, to string a lot of wins together so uh, you, know, uh, you know I would not be shocked I don't think they'll make top four but I would not be shocked if they came back out of nowhere
0: yeah that famous Alisson go against West Brom uh, one of my close mates happens to work for uh, Liverpool's social media team and he said that they had the graphic just made up like it wasn't like a kind of almost like a jokey thing as well no 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 but we need one we need one saved for like a goal celebration for Allison. never did they think they'd ever end up having to use it but there you go Some, that, that that's what planning and preparation is all about I suppose um, just finally on the FA Cup though Harry um, Tottenham my beloved Tottenham for anyone who knows and, and listens to this show regularly my beloved Tottenham giving me something to cheer about thankfully this week uh, last few appearances. On the show, haven't been so great to talk about Tottenham. Um, but again, as we spoke about, you know, kind of where the bigger teams and Arsenal are now out, Liverpool are out, Chelsea are out as well, obviously went out in the third round to Man City. That, yes, Manchester United, yes, Manchester City are still there. But for teams like Tottenham, Brighton perhaps as well, they can now perhaps start thinking about a very deep long run in this cup competition. Maybe they can go all the way to Wembley, should or be favourable for them. I think, you know, myself as a Spurs fan and I think Brighton fans might be hoping for a a Manchester derby in the next round when the jury is made, hopefully. Um, But but for Spurs as well, again, you know, difficult season. They're a little bit closer to the top forward than Liverpool are, thankfully, at the minute. But it looks like that might be a struggle to get back in there, such as the form of, of United and Newcastle as well. But a cup competition just might be what Spurs need. Again, you know, it's always been leveled at this, you know, when Pochettino, Murcio Pochettino had the team, oh, they never won a competition. This might just be the thing that kind of, again, kind of kickstart Spurs, maybe takes them onto that next level as well, potentially. Maybe I'm just saying that more in hope as a Tottenham fan. Well, I think, I mean,
1: if any, as you say, if any club needs a, needs a trophy win just to get a demon off their back, it's Tottenham. And, you know, in some ways, as much as finishing in the Champions League is going to be more lucrative and, and make them more of an appealing prospect for players in the summer... You could even you could sort of argue that winning winning a cup would actually do them more more favors than than getting in the getting in the top four. So as you say, a really big opportunity. It'll be interesting to see if Conti goes for it. Um, as you said, particularly if the draw opens up. Um, I, I mean, you'll you'll sort of you know, obviously as a Tottenham fan, you'll know this stuff. It's it's something still not quite something's not quite right at Tottenham at the moment. A lot of uh, question marks over systems, over you know futures of. Individuals, whether it be managers or players, um, so you know, possibly winning a trophy might just kind of settle everyone down and, and and bring back a bit of a good a good sort of feeling, or even you know, a, a cup run. You know, I can't remember the last time Tottenham what well, the Carabao Cup final. There was some good feeling around around that around that run, I guess. So um, so yeah, I you know, I would it will be interesting to see if to see if Conte wants to focus to focus on that. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's more. Keen to get in the to get in the Champions League because he wants he wants players, doesn't he? He wants to keep you'll want to keep Kane around if he's planning on staying. So, you uh, want to attract attract better players in the market. So, be interesting. For sure, I was weighing it
0: up myself last night as well. Kind of sat there, kind of thinking, would I rather finish fifth and, and win the FA Cup or top four and, and not win the FA Cup? And it was it was a tough one, given that our last cup win was half my lifetime ago, which now obviously gives away uh, my age and, and perhaps more trade secrets.
1: Can I ask, Ned? Would you would you rather win the win the FA Cup and have Arsenal win the league, or neither of you win, win win
0: anything? Depends where we finish in the league. I wouldn't. The, the thing is now as well. I kind of almost want such a, such as how horrific our season has been so far, or not you know up to standard or, or where we kind of hoped it might have been back in August I wouldn't be too upset then if Arsenal do go to win the league because they'll be more, fo- more focused on that more happy to celebrate winning the league and not care about the fact that St. Totteringham's day has returned after six years so they would just be talk- talking about the league win rather than you know finishing above us which is fine by me <laughs> But moving on this morning, Harry, uh, obviously deadline day on Tuesday uh, is coming up. uh, And of course, everyone's kind of still trying to finalize their squad, still trying to add to them. Uh, but Obviously, final opportunity to do that before the end of the season. I'm uh, just going to run through now some of the, the kind of big rumours. Um, and, and we spoke about it just a little bit beforehand briefly, but obviously Brighton and how they've kind of this 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 recruitment model that they've got of bringing these players in on the cheap. You talked there about Matoma earlier, I think it was two and a half million and they only brought him in for, and that looks like an absolute steal now. But another one as well, who they brought in on the cheap, who potentially, if a deal does go through uh, before the deadline tomorrow, uh, will, will fetch them very, very tasty profit. Moise Caicedo, uh, roughly about £4 million they brought him in for. Fee suggested to be in the region of 60 to £70 million. Arsenal or Chelsea, a potential destination for him. Has got a little bit messy, um, of course, like any good transfer saga. Uh, Caicedo taking to Twitter to almost plead with the club to uh, to, to let him move on. Uh, the club themselves, uh, you know, saying to stay away from training, didn't pick him for the FA Cup winner to Liverpool, told him to stay away until the window shuts. It feels like there's still plenty of, of time though left in, in this deal or left in the window, sorry, for this deal to get over the line and, and potentially could be moving to
1: London. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be really interesting the next few hours. I mean, based on everything that we've seen from Brighton, I'd be surprised if it happens. I'd be surprised if, he, if they let him leave. I mean, you often find when, you know, there's a bit of a kind of transfer saga, the, the selling club usually say that the player's not for sale, but often they give clues sort of saying like, Oh, we we we'd actually quite like you to, you know, bet, you know, bid a bid a little bit higher. Brighton haven't been doing that. They've just been saying staunchly he he's not leaving this window. And given that they won't have any time to replace him and 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 whatever, I I would be very shocked to see, you know, him him leave. Particularly as I don't I don't think Arsenal are going to be prepared to pay 80 90 million in order to bring them to the table so uh, and and probably quite ri- quite rightly Kayser is a brilliant player but uh, whether it's whether it's worth going that high is 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 a different matter so uh, you know he'll given everything that's that's gone on obviously the transfer request and the banishment from training and all that stuff he'll probably go in the summer chelsea will probably come back in for him as well but um, and and speaking of chelsea you know i think given their sort of the way that they've turned their attention or appear appears to have turned their attention at the moment to enzo fernandez kind of shows you that they probably got the message from Brighton that look, Caicedo is not is not leaving at the moment. So as I say, I'd be very surprised if, if Arsenal do if Arsenal do land him, which will which will be a shame because they, they could do with they could do with a little squad depth in midfield. You you look at their midfield and think a key injury to Partey or Xhaka or Odegaard really really uh gives them troubles. But um we'll see. I, I I'd be as I say I'd be surprised to see it happen. <laughs> one move that looks
0: like it'll also be a surprise to happen now is Pedro Porro Um, Sunday night it looks like he's you know by all accounts he's on his way to London Uh, medicals have been booked everything was pretty much signed and sealed I I mean I think even after played for sports in Lisbon on Saturday night and I think he was uh, making his goodbyes to the fans as well so it looked like uh, everything was heading in the right direction only then uh, for it to be turning out that Sporting's officials are looking for a little bit more out of the deal than initially what was agreed. Um, so it looks like there's still plenty of work to be done on this one, whether or not Tottenham can can get this deal done over the line before Tuesday's deadline. Um, he's someone that they've been, you know, pretty much since the window opened. There has been talk about Pedro Porro going to Tottenham. This has all the hallmarks of a classic uh, transfer saga, be it in the summer or in the winter as well, just kind of it think, you think it's done and you think it's not going to happen or it is going to happen and then either gets resurrected or, or comes crashing down. It would be slightly embarrassing though. And I'm not saying this from a Tottenham fan's point of view, but it would be slightly embarrassing for Tottenham now if this doesn't get over the line. And, and crucially as well for Antonio Conte, someone who wants Poro by the sounds of it has, has been keen on him throughout the window. He won't be too happy if he doesn't end up with him as his player by the end of the window.
1: Sorry. I mean, it's it. it, it wouldn't be a, a Tottenham transfer window without a, without a deal going wrong on deadline day. Um, no, I I, I agree. I, I think it will be a shame. I, you know, Tottenham Tottenham have been really pushing, as you say. Conte looks like he really he really wants him. You know, he he looks he looks a fabulous fabulous player, and and you know, I think obviously you've got. Uh, Tottenham got Jed Spence coming coming through. We'll see how good he he comes right back. But I think that you know there's there's a sen- there's a sort of general sense of that's a position that can be can be improved. And obviously we know how how much Conte likes his likes his wing backs. So uh, I think it could generally be a, a good transfer. But yeah, I, you know, I, at the moment, at the time of recording, it sounds like it's off. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets if it gets resurrected in in the summer if if it does go off. But um, yeah, a sort of key few hours ahead for Tottenham. Because, you know, again, that just speaking of, um, you know, as we were talking before about the need for sort of a kind of feel good factor, bringing in a big signing like that would would do wonders for for Tottenham at the moment. And I think it's exactly the sort of thing they need. You know, getting that sort of lift might be really beneficial, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how the next few hours goes
0: exactly as you said at the time of recording this is of course the fun and games of recording a podcast the day before transfer deadline day everything that we say here might be completely wrong even by the time that I get to uploading it in only about 20 minutes or half an hour um, but the glory is is that obviously where we spoke about the FA Cup at the start I can just cut this bit and no one can hear it and it's fine um, <laughs> if we do end up getting it all wrong I can just go back in and edit um, another player that, that could be on the move this time out of London uh, perhaps a little bit further north is Hakim Ziyech Um a great, greatly talented player. There's no denying that, but for for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to have ever been trusted by any of his Chelsea managers, either be it Frank Lampard or Thomas Tuchel or now Graham Potter as well, that they can't seem to find a way to make things click for him. He... he Stars in fits and spurts for Chelsea, but there's no kind of consistent run in the team that he can kind of put together to allow him to obviously put together more consistent performances. Great World Cup helped Morocco get to the semi-finals uh after returning from his his self-imposed international exile. Of course, didn't get on to the previous Morocco manager. Um, but but you know, he's shone brilliantly for them at the World Cup. Probably gets the feeling now, and especially at the stage of his career, that he, he wants a bit more first team football to uh to, to boot as
1: well. And it looks like Aston Villa could be interested in him. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be an interesting move. I mean, it's it, it sort of feels a shame, and no disrespect to Aston Villa, it sort of feels a shame for for a player with you know as many qualities as Hakim Ziyech has, and and you know as you say, he showed us that at the World Cup how much quality he has. For for him to go to a team that's you know not challenging for the for the top trophies, but you know Aston Villa, are a team on the rise under Emery, so you know I I, I wouldn't sort of begrudge him that 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 move by any stretch as you say he needs first team first team football he's been really unlucky at, at, at Chelsea in many ways and a few key injuries injuries are key key times when it often when he's been playing well um I don't really think he was a good stylistic fit for for the way Thomas Tuchel played Graham Potter's a little bit more sort of ambiguous with his system so it sort of remains to be seen whether whether he could fit into uh into into a system there, but um, as I say, I think I think he will, you know, he needs he needs first team football, and if he's not getting that at Chelsea, I think it's a I think it's a smart smart decision to to move away, it's, especially with you know given when you look at the players that the forwards that Chelsea have been signing, M- M- Mudrick uh, and uh, Madueke, I think um, they're obviously going after wingers forwards with pace, direct running, and, and that's not really who Ziak is. So uh, it's probably the right move if, if, if Chelsea are looking, are looking beyond him for him to move away.
0: Another player that's been spoken about for for kind of almost months in terms of moving on uh, happens to be James Madison. There's been all this talk, you know, it seems to go a little bit quiet, I'll admit that, about going to Newcastle, but for months before the window, it seemed to be something that was edging towards a, a kind of conclusion in January. Then it seems to go a bit quiet in January, but now we're getting towards deadline date, it seems to have resurrected itself again. Um, Obviously, currently at Leicester, doing well for Leicester, uh, but Newcastle, where they are this season, you know, and and the kind of project that they're putting together there, very few players would, would say no to Newcastle at this point. Do we
1: think this might finally happen before the window shuts? Well, as you say, the last few days really makes you think it might. I mean, f- for the longest time, it, you know, it looked as if Leicester were going to wait until the until the summer. Obviously, he'll have one year left on his contract. At that point, um, the the only the only thing to consider, I think, is Leicester. Obviously, you know, when they're selling players, they're no mugs. You know, they're very good at getting the right sort of price and you know, staying sort of stubborn in, in terms of not wanting players to leave when they don't want them to. So, or at least when it when it will inconvenience them. Um, he's so important for for Leicester, you know, and and I think he'll, you know he will be sort of vital to keep for their sort of continued push up the table. Um, but I, yeah, I I, I think that they'll you know I I would be I wouldn't be that shocked to see to see him leave now. As you say, Newcastle are growing in uh, you know uh, reputation and 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 sort of you know prestige. So um, you know if there's any pushing from Madison's side, I think it'll be hard for Leicester to keep him. But uh, given their history of of being able to get the right price for players and keep them for, you know, at least a a decent amount of time after clubs come looking for them. I wouldn't be shocked to see him stay until the, uh, until the summer either.
0: So if I had to put you on the spot now, those four players that we discussed, there kind of all seem to be hanging in the balance, those deals. But if there was one that you had to go out and, and kind of say, this is going to happen before the window shuts, which one would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um,
1: Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's. Not a problem. I would. I mean, to be honest, out of all out of all of those, I would probably say James Madison. I, I, there was a temptation to say Ziyech, but I think obviously given Chelsea's injuries, they might be a bit reluctant. You know, Raheem Sterling, Christian Pulisic are still out. They might be a bit reluctant to to relinquish a couple, uh, another forward. Uh, so that that's what makes it. You know, I don't. I think Caicedo won't happen. I don't. I'm, I'm given the news that just before we came on I don't think Pedro Parra will happen until at least until the summer so probably Madison's my answer but again touch and go indeed of course
0: you can keep up to date with all the latest uh, from the transfer window ahead of the window shutting on Tuesday uh, evening uh, across the Daily Mirror, Daily Star and Daily Express I'd like to thank Harry as well for joining us this morning some great insight there for sure Um, but all that's left for me to do is to say goodbye